Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Hey listeners of the Software People Stories podcast. We're so excited to share with you that our 100th episode is just around the corner. We invite you to join us as we hit the century mark and celebrate. We invite your comments as listeners of our podcast to either write into us or leave us an audio recording. As always, our email is podcasts@pm-powerconsulting.com. Our guest this week on the Software People Stories, Harsha Mutt, shares his life and career story in conversation with Shivaguru. With a sense of curiosity and loads of pragmatism, and what I felt has been forged in several fires of experiments and experience, Harsha, a Bangalorean, talks about his early predictable life to taking his first flight out and starting a whole new life. He's probably a pioneer of sorts in terms of rapid development and demonstration of working software, who then took on several roles, some as part of a classic career path and others that gave breadth to his experience. He says that fearlessness in youth perhaps helped dealing with the ambiguities of work and transition. A person of many firsts during his nearly 20-year stint in Infosys, he talks about turning points in his life from returning to India to joining a new company and then deciding to be a venture capitalist to being an entrepreneur using a trekking analogy for that experience and for one who's had so many experiences transitioning to a coach seemed natural and now i'd recommend that you listen on to know how it all happened welcome to the software people stories arsha this has been a long time since we've been trying to catch up and uh, i know that you have had a very very varied and very interesting kind of roles that you played through your career we can start with your origin story in your own words sure uh, thanks thanks you guru thanks thanks for this opportunity to have a discussion with you and it's a strange coincidence that we met at the uh, indian institute of management bangalore campus a few months just before the pandemic broke and that that is the cause for this conversation like you wanted to understand a little bit more about me so let me take a few minutes here right uh, firstly again thank you i am a bangalorean i studied mechanical engineering at uec in bangalore and i had an interest in business because my father used to run a printing press while i was in high school i used to help him during the wow. school holidays and that's what got me to do my uh, cost accounting program in the evening along with my mechanical engineering so by the time i came to the final year i had already finished my intermediate in cost accounting and completed all the courses in final but did not take the exam uh, so that was my studies and after that like every engineering student right i started looking for jobs writing every test possible right ongc to c cat to iit entrances and so on uh, ultimately uh, i was lucky to get recruited at infosys Uh, infosys was a small uh, uh, unknown company at that time 
at that time again i had two offers one from micro bosch as well as uh, infosys and somehow i took a decision a fork in the road took a decision to join infosys and uh, i think i can't repent that decision now looking back mm. uh, and i think uh, what i can reflect on the infosys days is that i was recruited uh, for a fresh software engineer trainee right the panel of eight people were there to choose this one individual which is unlike today and uh, three of the board members were there and it was an interesting discussion and a lot of the questions in my interview was about uh, cnc programming and nc which were which were my electives in uh, mechanical engineering and post that i ended up getting into commercial software uh, i think the first thing i can remember about infosys is uh, apart from the recruitment itself was the rigorous training uh, we used to have classes from 9 am to 6 pm right in a small classroom seven eight people uh, the courses taken by the founders of the company on mm-hmm. operating systems computer architecture databases file management programming languages cobol etc so though i had learned fortran in college i think here i had to learn cobol so this was very uh, very rigorous after the classes at 6 am you are expected to do homework and the philosophy that the founding team there had was that if you give somebody 200% of work right to deliver they would at least 200% so so the pressure was quite intense and it was a great way to learn stuff uh, especially where somebody had not studied computer science in school right so so that is the first thing i remember and then lot of the exercises we had to do and the first uh, system i came across or the first uh, computers i worked on was data general data general mv4000 and mv8000 the mid range series uh, yeah that was quite quite uh, nice and that was the those are the first big machines in uh, bangalore uh, which were there at the micro campus so so we did all our uh, what you say projects right whatever we learned we had to experiment write the uh, write the code and then debug it test it so all of this was new new things for me so it is quite an interesting uh, way to learn stuff quickly and uh, as a person i am a constant learner and i've been trying to learn something every day all through my life and so this was good and uh, so that certainly helped and post that uh, instead of doing work in the manufacturing systems which i was recruited for ended up working in the commercial software so that's what i keep telling people that you study something but you end up doing some other work right so as long as you take that with uh, with the right spirit right you will certainly do well and uh, within the first 3 months uh, though i did not have a passport i had to get a passport quickly and then i was shipped off to the us to do some consulting projects like most other software professionals in the 80s and there i got an opportunity again uh, this was the first transition i had in my life right so moving from uh, from a day scholar who was at home all my life right cycling to college and back uh, now to uh, getting trained in a upcoming software company and then being sent across the world and uh-huh. here i had to move from uh, bangalore to the us and uh, so before that i had not even taken a flight so it was a it was a different kind of experience and the first time i was having a, what you call a, a hostel days right staying away oh. from home staying with <laughs> colleagues staying with friends learning about people from different cultures right 
not just the western culture but even people from across india itself right so i was interacting with them much more closely than during my college days so this was a great opportunity to learn uh, learn software the software industry itself right so we had to interact with customers uh, write write software design systems implement them see the outcome rather all in a quick fashion what we call agile today we did that uh, in the late 80s and uh, concept implementation would happen in a few weeks unlike the multiple yeah. stages we do today right because we literally were working very closely with the client so there was not that amount of documentation needed right so, uh, so it was all on the whiteboard and then right we just got into putting things into production and uh, and fixing if something went wrong so it was all uh, yeah. heartbeat kind of support and it was a, a very good way to learn i think about software itself yeah so that's how my career started moved from mechanical engineering to software development and then in software itself i moved across uh, various roles uh, higher up in terms of the hierarchy moving from a developer to a project leader to a project manager to becoming an account manager a business manager and ultimately a practice head or a delivery unit head that was a vertical kind of growth the other things i had to do was moving from a software developer to play roles in terms of training other people right as a trainer and as a recruiter trying to build your teams so these okay. were kind of the horizontal functions i had to do as well okay i hope yeah. hope this gives a perspective in how i started yeah definitely has that a couple of questions triggered by this mm-hmm. is that both from your college days mm-hmm. as well as getting into computer science yeah. whether it was in engineering or even you said you did cost accounting mm-hmm. they are all very precise right everything has to add up and then everything has to balance a lot of numbers quantitative stuff right and again algorithms when you get into say software development mm-hmm. now from there when you said your first transition of moving from say bangalore to the us mm-hmm. there would have been a lot of ambiguities right whether it is dealing with people or even uh, developing something very quickly with the users very close to you still probably a lot of things are changing mm-hmm. was that something that you enjoyed or was that something that you found uh, strange uh, actually shiv uh, i think your question is how did i handle that that ambiguity or the change in context uh, i think uh, i was as quite young at that time right 22 23 and uh, there was no fear no inhibitions in that sense right uh, i was enjoying the ride so it was an adventure right so there was nothing like feeling bad or saying somebody is asking you to work on a weekend and there was no such ill will and uh, even if a customer said it takes a month to do a project we would finish in 2 3 weeks so it was like there was a lot more energy eagerness to learn i would say right and then it was like uh, it was not at all work right it was play right when work is play i think time also passes quickly and i think that again probably what happens is some of the customer folks or the local uh, local staff would feel bad that when i take something when i take one month to do something these kids come and do something in 3 weeks right are they here to take away our job so except for that kind of uh, uh, not fear it comes worry in them right so it was all a good uh, so it was a holistic thing 
uh, apart from actually the work equals play i said no i also got an opportunity to travel a lot play basketball yeah. play soccer right so that way there was ample time uh, because i think yeah. that the because the the overheads of what we do in a software project today were not there so he did not have overseas calls and lot of the okay. <laughs> a lot of the conference calls training right workshop right which we are doing today as a part of normal life right those are right. not there so you are doing just the whatever is absolutely needed for a system to work right and that you did quite efficiently uh, so there was no stress as such and uh, i did not feel bad or anything right it was a good learning and i wanted to do more and some customers okay. actually at digital they used to ask uh, uh, when i give somebody 8 hours of work you come back after 4 hours and say give me more right and this is unheard of so it was like uh, it was fun in in a lot of respects right because you are learning mm. new things not mm. necessarily from a perspective build up resume value or get higher salary or whatever it was just the sheer thing of trying to do something new right trying to learn something try to some create something new and mm. i think there was no i think some of the kids today would say i don't want to work in a support project i don't want to mm. do testing there was no such uh, what baggage right to say i don't want to do this okay so yeah again today the message to a lot of the youngsters is first three including my daughters is first three four years of your career you have to do whatever is given to you mm. yeah, right so that we did with a uh, or at least i did along with the other team members with the right spirit so there was no hindrances to our performance you also had transitions from infosys to other organizations as well as being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. you want to share some of those transition experiences sure sure uh, shiva i was in infosys for 20 years and i resigned just before i reached the 20th anniversary and my last day was actually the 20th anniversary and oh. uh, yeah uh, just to give an incident uh, during my 19th year there there was a strategy workshop uh, done by the founder of the company mr murthy mm. and i think he had asked each of us some rigorous assignments to do before the three day residential program mm-hmm. uh, i think one of the things is if you were the ceo what would you do and yeah. as a as a ceo you have to be honest about yourself what are your strengths weaknesses and so on right mm-hmm. i think one of the things i had noticed or i had written in the question which i had asked please tell me about your weaknesses and what will you do about them mm-hmm. right so my comment was that i had i have spent 19 years in one company seeing similar people right the same <laughs> dna in a sense right mm-hmm. and everybody knows me i know everybody so it's like a well uh, whatever is a safety net kind of thing right it's a uh, you are under an umbrella or a big shade and basically one of my weaknesses is that i have not seen any other culture and i have seen only one culture and i don't know if i know the real world right so so if you come out of that cocoon and go into the real world you might have a challenge so that's what one thing i had uh, i had listed there so i just thought i insight yeah, really that and again even mr murthy called me a trailblazer because mm. uh, in infosys i had a number of firsts right mm. i don't have that list here but just to name a few i uh, i ran the first million dollar project right at the first offshore project for general electric right and uh, and i became the first business manager uh, i was asked to head the first 
proximity development center closer to the client locations outside okay. india right uh-huh. uh, this was in boston and i was the first person to become a permanent resident in the us so okay. from the technology team so so a lot of things were there uh, mm. so so he said you have a lot of things going and this is not your weakness uh, mm-hmm. so so okay. i think uh, this staying in one culture inspired me to look beyond and uh, understand how other companies operate and mm. i probably would not have joined hcl because one of the drives uh, when i moved back from uh, boston to bangalore right uh, one of the things i decided to do because i had stayed away from india for almost 15 years okay. uh, i wanted to indianize myself so okay. first thing i did was i bought a mitsubishi lancer and then i started driving on hosur road from oh. adarsh residency to infosys city okay. and uh, <laughs> i think i did not get a driver so that was the best way to get used to the uh, yeah that was a very brave decision also uh, i don't know because that median was there so hug the median oh, okay. <laughs> and take a calculated risk and mm-hmm. being in a car is safer than being on a two wheeler or right? yeah. some something yeah. <laughs> so i used to leave home at 7 7:15 uh, be in the office by 8 it used to be 20 minute commute those days uh, and then uh, finish off the email by 8:39 9 by the time team comes in by 8:39 right uh, your calendar is free almost right to do mm. rest of the day mm. and attend all the calls meetings etc and leave the office at 5 get home by 5:35 45 and mm. start the calls from 6 all the way till midnight so that okay. that is the life uh, one of the calls uh, one of the days i did not have a call driving back and one of the headhunters called me and said there's a oh. great opportunity in hcl they're looking at somebody like you and right you would be a great fit and he gave the usual story and um, probably if he had not called me we would not have switched also right and then i said i'm not interested then he called after a couple of days and then mm-hmm. so that conversation went forward uh, then i went and met vinith nair twice in noida mm-hmm. at the hcl headquarters and uh, post those conversations i it got me thinking and then i said maybe i should go and uh, see another culture so this was i think uh, Uh, like another fork in the road uh, it was not a bad decision uh, it was a lesson in life though i learned a lot more things uh, and uh, so i think it was a, it was in that sense a good decision uh, seeing uh, different ways companies are run right so i could actually see three differences between the two organizations one was i, I worked with a team from the south indian culture and here i was working with a company at contoured in the north the second difference was uh, in infosys i was doing mostly technology work right mm-hmm. in uh, in hcl i had to do technology as well as operations and infrastructure mm-hmm. operations in the sense of bpo and uh, right. or back office operations so mm-hmm. that was a, a thing and uh, in infosys i was doing mostly indian and north american clients uh, uh, mostly and here i had to do global clients be it australia mm-hmm. new zealand sweden right mm-hmm. uh, mostly germany and uh, Mm. Uh, uk and so this gave a different perspective also from a overall learning mm. uh, and uh, i think one other significant difference which helped me from a leadership development is in infosys all my direct reports were younger than me except for one lady mm-hmm. uh, whereas in uh, hcl everybody mm. was elder to me except one person who was a gentleman oh. <laughs> so that again was working with a younger team to us team who is elder to you right yeah, yeah. had to adapt and uh, do what was needed mm, interesting 
But how is your transition to being an entrepreneur? I remember visiting oh, yeah. you in the lookup uh, office also once. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's again uh, it was like a chance thing, right? And after four years at HCL, I decided to leave. And uh, when the management asked what will you do, I said I want to become a venture capitalist, right? And I want to invest in the startup world, and I want to. Uh, at that point, I didn't know what I would do, uh, but then. Uh, post resigning i studied all about what is venture capital how does one do a startup how does one do a investment and so on after leaving hcl uh, i met a bunch of people who were setting up a seed fund right so i got the concept of what they were doing and one of them was setting up a technology firm to okay. do something interesting in the media space right mm. uh, so i said and he said if you want to join me you are welcome to so i said yeah there's no i can take a risk at this point in my life right so there is no there's nothing to fear for or save for right so i mm-hmm. said let me take the jump and yes. uh, then i and then became part of the startup and uh, uh, this was a company called lookup media so it was trying to do a lot of great things uh, yeah eventually unlike the previous podcast you had about insta health right uh, they had a successful exit we had a not so successful exit but like any project and any company right the startup started did lot of things lot of things well lot of things not so well and mm. eventually it has come to a closure right mm. uh, but i think one thing looking back is it's a lesson in life right mm. where you figure out how you interact with people how you yeah. hire people how you fund the companies right how you take care of customers and uh, uh, unlike a large corporate like an infosys or a hcl where there's a lot of right backing and right so here you have to be agile you have to take your own decision own risks and not always things will work out right so it was another experiment and uh, i think it was a great lesson in life right yeah. i would say and uh, plus, there i got to in- yeah tell me yes you guys are probably a little ahead of the time at the time because now you find ott platforms and uh, cutting the cord and all those concepts are you know, more accepted Correct, correct. People having yeah. a streaming media over the net. Sure, sure. I think it was a little, uh, a little. I think uh, early in terms of timing, mm. but I think more than the timing, I would say, uh, I think being more practical, right? So, uh, so, so being practical in the sense, keep releasing a product and then keep evolving. Evolve. So there mm. are two schools of thought, right? So when you do product development, mm. you have a ready to go big bang kind of product and then mm. launch it. so that nobody can beat you the other is try different releases and then right mm. like an ipod came then an iphone then an iphone 12 now right so you keep evolving every year so here we uh, because of certain market conditions other things we try to change our uh, vision itself but then we try to do all at once so which again was a because it was a costly affair right so yeah, unless yeah. we had a backing of a huge mnc or a huge company Uh, mm. it it had its own set of challenges so so i think uh, i do mm. agree uh, and i think uh, when i was in infosys i got an opportunity to do a residential program at harvard business school mm-hmm. a program for uh, management development it was a 10 week okay. program where mm. i stayed on campus with 160 other people from 35 countries oh, so okay. there again uh, the reason i mentioned this is there were a number of case studies we did at harvard where mm. i think similar technology companies earlier mm-hmm. right had uh, 
had got the product ahead of time right yeah uh, and then uh, somebody did the same thing 3 years later and they were extremely successful successful so i just uh, remember the timing is everything right yeah and uh, though i had done all the case studies right when actually you are doing your own project or own startup right you mm-hmm. fail to realize those things mm-hmm. uh, because you when i spoke about my early part of my career right well, there was no stress no mm-hmm. no pressures everything was fun right mm-hmm. here it tends to become the opposite everything becomes stressful okay. and uh, you you really can't see the right lining clear uh, right so so that way maybe uh, maybe if i had used some of those learnings to say we should delay a little bit or Yeah. do things step by step right maybe it could yeah. have been but uh, i think lot of investors we met during that uh, entrepreneurial journey uh, mm-hmm. they asked us uh, me and my partner uh, why are you trying to do what a geo is trying to do uh, right okay. geo is spending 250000 right whatever followed by many many zeros oh, and, and uh, small bunch of right uh, people who want to change the world how can you take on somebody like that so that that is quite revealing because i think you need to live within your means was the kind of thing right unless you have that uh, right yeah so now whoever comes to me for advice i say do something which you can do right yeah. rather than trying to uh, to go to the himalaya you need to take smaller yes, hikes yes. right and then that's yeah good analogy so since uh, you've been hinting at uh, different transitions mm-hmm. in your uh, career and life after particularly what you said now as a startup you pretty much have to roll up your sleeves and do everything which is more an action oriented role sure how did the transition to being a coach happen or how did you take it yeah where yeah. you probably uh, don't sure. you may be itching to do things but then you probably have to hold yourself back right correct correct yeah uh, so i think this is a very good question shiv uh, i think There's a story behind every question you're asking, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's good. It's so, softer people's stories. Yeah, <laughs> more stories the better. Yeah. Uh, so I did mention about getting, uh, getting uh, whatever, going through a program at Harvard, right? Which mm-hmm. is a, a revealing thing. It helped me get a big picture of things, business, global, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of that, I became an alum of the Harvard Business School, and okay. did do have number of events. every quarter in bangalore number of professors come and then right they are on the board of several companies whenever they are in the city they will have a session and then they talk about something the latest right in the business okay yeah. uh, so one of the professors uh, who was on the board of mindtree had come and then while he was addressing us at taj west end mm. right uh, i saw this one and uh, especially in all these events you get a cup of coffee and keep talking to people and introducing yourself and do the usual networking right there was one gentleman who showed interest in me and we were chatting and then uh, uh, he said come uh, he wanted to smoke he said the, the session is starting in 5 minutes let yeah, me finish yeah. a smoke and then he he took me to the corner and while we were chatting and then it happened that he is the chairman uh, he is no more now he is oh. the chairman of coaching foundation india okay. pradipta right uh-huh. uh, so he was he was a big guy in rpg he was a chairman of cii south and so on okay. so he took me aside and said we have this national conclave of mm-hmm. the coaching foundation india happening next month in november mm-hmm. would you like to attend mm-hmm. this might be of interest to you mm-hmm. i said gladly right mm-hmm. i had read about their uh, press release way back in april of uh, 2010 before okay. i had left hcl and so that that triggered my mind okay. so i said i gave my email exchange email 
ID, my business card, and then he sent me an invite. I attended that. Uh, there I got to see how how coaching is done, and that was the mm-hmm. first time I got exposure to coaching. And uh, I think the reason I wanted to do a program in coaching itself was uh, like even in Infosys or HCL or whenever there was stressful situations, right? Mm-hmm. Where you wanted to take a particular decision, or you don't know who you want to speak, who you can speak to, right? Because a corporate world is a jungle, right? You can't tell your problems to certainly not your bosses, to your direct reports, right? To your peers, and certainly not to your family members, right? So mm-hmm. you're you're kind of lost. So so you need some opening where you can express, right? Yeah. What you're going through. and mm. then seek some guidance in a non threatening environment because yes. they are they are they act in a confidential way one second is they are not part of you don't see them every day right right mm. so you discuss that problem with somebody and then you see them once a year or once in a few months it's okay you are more free to share rather than your neighbor or somebody you are seeing every day yeah so that was one and then vinith uh, nair as part of the hcl uh, management development programs right he had a program called top gun in 2008 where mm-hmm. he had chosen 40 of the senior people mm-hmm. to go through a coaching program mm-hmm. and uh, we had anil sachdeva uh, do okay. that for us and there i had a coach uh, who was the ceo and md of one of the unilever companies in south africa so he was my coach he used to meet me every month for a couple of hours he met me about eight times so okay. that gave me all that also had given me a insight into what is this coaching about right i was not uh-huh. totally blind so okay. two three things one is that hcl top gun kind of undergoing coaching second mm-hmm. is my need uh, to have been coached at infosys or hcl where i could have probably performed 10 times better if i had a coach right mm-hmm. so that was the second thing third is was that uh, uh, serendipitous conversation with pradipta mahapatra right yeah. and the invite to the national conclave i think these three led me to move into coaching and then mm-hmm. applied to the next cohort got admitted and then in uh, 2011 i attended uh, about two weeks of training in chennai then did a eight week of internship and after that uh, every year i have been coaching couple of people uh, to nice. keep myself abreast not mm-hmm. necessarily as a practice mm-hmm. but to practice the things i learned and those yeah. things have evolved i mm-hmm. also attended a couple of coaching conferences uh, conducted by the harvard medical school Uh, okay. so so it gives uh, insight into how coaching is done in india how mm-hmm. coaching is done outside and coaching as a industry i think will uh, will pick up a lot in the next mm-hmm. decade here and mm-hmm. uh, i think in the us people are more open to coaching mm-hmm. because they feel that it's an investment right mm-hmm. so here i think i think hopefully in the short time people mm-hmm. will think it is an investment so if mm-hmm. i were to join as the ceo of any company tomorrow right mm-hmm. i would straight away hire a coach and say i would pay him whatever x lakhs so that way it is my uh, my whatever one of my uh, factors for success in this new role right uh-huh. yeah i would do that so as more and more people get open to doing that uh, i think the that practice will also bloom yeah that's a very nice way of saying it because here right from school we say that if you are going to a coaching class it used to be considered as additional pressure or you are not coping up or you know, the coaching itself is not considered more as a performance enhancer or a booster but rather filling some deficiency correct correct yeah. and as part of the coaching foundation also shiv another story is uh, as part of the viva right mm-hmm. uh, pradipta and the panel asked me why did you choose coaching almost mm-hmm. the same exact question you had so i think my 
my answer started off saying my father actually uh, was born in 1925 in his village in north karnataka he migrated to bangalore in the 1940s after mm. spending some time in freedom struggle he was a mm. self made man right mm. the first person to come from the village to bangalore uh, he mm. was a journalist a poet a social worker uh, he mm. was in politics for a brief while he was a great poet also so mm. he uh, since he was the first person from his part of the world to come to bangalore right anybody yeah. who came to bangalore any budding journalist any uh-huh. budding poet right any young social worker they would come to him for guidance so he oh. would okay. he would spend hours and hours together telling them what to do correct their work and all that mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. getting any credit for that right so in uh-huh. the sense so i told pradipta and the team there that i want to be an influence on people mm-hmm. and nobody need to say i caused them to be mm-hmm. successful as long mm-hmm. as you ask some tough questions and it gives them a trigger right mm-hmm. using which they can do well right mm-hmm. coaches yeah. are always people behind right they mm-hmm. they are not always in the forefront and not mm-hmm. everybody can become a coach right mm-hmm. the most successful uh, business person or sports person may, may not necessarily be a coach or a good mm-hmm. coach right mm-hmm. because it needs a different kind of uh, flair and mm-hmm. i think one of the stories in one of the conclaves again coaching conclaves i heard the uh, captain of the indian hockey team vic right he said uh, his coach used to ask him uh, see there are all these uh, australian yellow shirts and and you are playing in the middle and you can see there is no right hindrance to go to the goal okay so he was saying when all yellow shirts are around you you can only see yellow shirts and you don't see the goal, goal. right oh. you are sitting up there and you can see that there is a goal <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is like when you are too close to the business or too close to something right it's very difficult for you to see what is happening right mm. for somebody outside of that or like people say you know take a step back mm-hmm. right so if you take a step back and look at that same situation you will see right where the uh, whatever the gaps to the goal are yeah. when you are on the field it's little difficult difficult yeah good so what are your interests nowadays uh yeah uh, shiv nowadays what i'm doing is i'm also a mentor with the nsrcl at iim bangalore uh, so i take part in one on one mentoring sessions which is there every friday end up meeting uh, three to four young ventures right and yeah. it's a 45 minute session we hear them and uh, give them guidance on what they should do better be it okay. on the prototype be it on how to get their first customer or how to do their pricing or mm-hmm. whether they are too early in the market whether they are mm-hmm. they don't have a core team yet at all right each one okay. has a different set of uh, so that is one thing and there are number of other initiatives at uh, nsrcl is a women startup program women entrepreneurship program called uh, goldman sachs women's 10000 program where there's a movement to train 10000 business women right uh, in terms of they are people who are doing 30 lakhs plus revenue per year but teach them some of the basics of marketing sales how to do business plan how to scale and so okay. on right and i'm also part of the texas instrument india innovation design contest which happens every year for lakhs of college students so i am part of the jury of some of these a mentor in some of these and some of the companies who come there or otherwise ask me to advise so i meet them once a month and uh, right tell them on what they should do mm-hmm. based on whatever limited experience i have right so that is one way which keeps me busy the second is i go for a long walk in the morning try to do yoga at least maybe okay. once a week or once in a few weeks 
and of course do reading watch movies on netflix amazon yeah. prime and yeah yeah so those are the kind of things which keep me busy and uh, one last thing is 2008 we started a school a high school in my father's village uh, it's called hire kumbalagunte uh, which is my middle name harsha hire kumbalagunte mat so in that village uh, we donated 3 plus acres of land to the state okay. government run high school so okay. they put up a nice building there and a school runs uh, that school had a 100% result this year so that wow congratulations makes me yeah. proud and uh, looking at this we decided we want to build a school in my mother's village uh, which which is about 100 kilometers from bangalore between okay. tumkur and chitradurga and uh-huh. uh, where there we are building a primary school now okay uh, it started in march should have been finished by june next year uh because of the mm. pandemic it's little delayed but uh, looks like we'll uh-huh. still make that june deadline and uh, next year classes when it starts should be able to start in that new building so these are the kind of things which uh, keeps me busy also oh very very nice since uh, you spoke about transitions and you also are talking about now helping others guiding them etc one of the frequent mm-hmm. questions that we get which i normally ask every guest Mm-hmm. is about uh, what do you think is the future of a career in it either mm-hmm. for somebody who is considering entering the profession mm-hmm. or there is a lot of uh, anxiety in people who are in the say middle management level or the mid career kind of a crisis sure uh, should i grow can i grow or would i be redundant whether it is technology or i am not because one thing that you mentioned multiple times is about being a lifelong learner and every time you right. always looked at opportunities to learn so how can one kind of build that into one's way of working sure sure i think this is a, these are great questions uh, i see this question in two parts right one is what can a fresh engineer moving into it right how can they look forward to right and the second is a crisis of a middle middle level manager yeah uh, uh, i think uh, my perspective on this would be if you are joining the workforce now right uh, as i mentioned earlier do whatever is given to you and uh, try to have depth right so you need to do lot more than what is asked for you and uh, try to learn quickly and then uh, be on top of any one technology right earlier my question also used to be to lot of the junior people who would come to me and say i worked in mainframe for 2 years i am bored right i want mm-hmm. to do dot net yeah. i want to do java then what do you know about mainframe they'll say nothing right correct meaning so unless you develop the depth in one field right it's very difficult to move on to something else mm-hmm. it need not be uh, something exotic right not everybody can do some object oriented programming or some mobile product right so whatever is given to you do well and build that expertise in that one technology because once you know one database right it's very easy to learn something else then what you are doing is comparing and contrasting mm. right yeah transferable so, skills yeah correct and mm. when i had to do the first project for a retailer in the us uh, this was all ims databases and i had no clue about ims and hierarchical database yeah. i had to interact with the dba and i mm. knew db2 reasonably well right mm. including mm. tuning and all of that so i had conversations with the ims dba comparing thinking of in terms of db2 and maybe ask him questions and then he would teach me without 
him thinking he is teaching me right mm-hmm. so if you have depth in one field or one technology and you have mm-hmm. a maturity to ask the right questions you can learn others rather quickly right mm-hmm. so if you want to be a jack of all then it's probably a not a good thing so whatever okay. one field right being it mobile being it being testing only or automated testing there's a lot to do in that field because the field itself is vast right mm-hmm. so pick that one whether you like it or not develop that expertise and then you can move on to uh, something else and uh, okay. don't look at what your friend or neighbor is doing because each one gets a different kind of project right so mm-hmm. so that is yeah. uh, i don't know if that kind of helps the fresh engineer right yeah uh, go with a open mind and do do the best and for a some middle level manager i think the problem with today's world is personal value add right that's one of the things i also heard a lot from my managers at hcl right because when you are leading a large team right you might be doing half a billion dollar of business but mm. the questions i got in hcl was your team did half a billion dollars of business what did you do <laughs> correct so a lot of times you grapple with what exactly you cannot say i coached the team and i uh, had meetings i did reviews i energized them right this all become motherhood statement so so you need to have something which is a unique contribution that you can do right i think now it's the days of specialization right so if you are a generalist i think the days are numbered and uh, i think i know some of my family friends are who are in, who live in the us uh, they are like in the uh, business intelligence space they are uh, deep gurus in uh, microsoft technologies right okay so when they go to meet a client they charge 400 dollars per hour but they get to work only for 6 hours a week right okay because their expertise is honored and they can yeah. do something a person will take 3 months in 3 hours right mm-hmm. so if you have that expertise there is always more satisfaction more demand mm-hmm. and shiv you also saw right i think the projects we did in hcl mm-hmm. where we had uh, dbas right db2 dbas in germany right yeah, yeah. they are yeah. like 65 years and then still you pay <laughs> some hundreds of euros <laughs> yeah for our and then the specialization always has a demand so yeah. i think that uh, i think moving moving away from technology has a downside being a pure okay. aggregator pure manager i think those days are numbered so i think you need to have uh, i think get your hands dirty and that's mm-hmm. one of the things i also found while working for startups right uh, mm-hmm. if you are hiring for a large corporate you look mm-hmm. for years of experience right reference check and all that but mm-hmm. when you come to a startup and hiring for a even a cxo in a startup that mm-hmm. cxo has to do the work he can't say i yeah. hire two more people right? right moment he say i'll hire a team right then you'll mm-hmm. just say next right so you want somebody who will roll up his sleeves do the work and uh, uh, and i played the role of cfo at lookup media i had to go into tally and then right do all the kind of reconciliations right check the vouchers you have to do whatever is needed Mm. you can't say i'll hire some ca to do this or i'll hire a team of four more people to do this uh, you can you can do that but the thing is that respect of the team for you goes goes up only when you can show them how you can do it right okay. yeah. so if you can show them how to do it then they know that they cannot they cannot bullshit and say it will take three days when you can actually show them this is the way you can do in 30 minutes right yeah. so so i think it gains your respect and they also would love to work with you because they learn a lot right mm, it's a win win in multiple ways so message yeah. to the to the managers would be uh, get to work on specialization 
right mm-hmm. that would be one thing and second thing is continue to read read about leadership read about the latest trends and stuff like that because that is a key thing uh, because i think one of the messages i have got from all the books i have read is that what is the difference between me harsha today versus what i was when i joined hcl in 2006 would be two things one is the number of books i have read and the ideas i have got books you can replace with videos whatever else and mm. the number of and the people you met uh-huh. so the different people you meet and the different books and new ideas you get these are the ones which change a person so network more right interact with more people that yeah. way i think my move from infosys to hcl i had a linkedin of probably a 50 people with same dna when i moved to hcl and now i have 2000 plus people across various wow various mm-hmm. kind of things and i mm-hmm. also learned how tata burrows tata unis started with <laughs> colleagues like you right <laughs> i got to understand the history of indian it and stuff like that earlier mm-hmm. you had one perspective you now you get a mm-hmm. little more global perspective mm-hmm. and uh, i think it helps to uh, helps to learn or understand people more and then i think that's that's what i would say yeah true that i definitely learned a lot including a few very interesting things about you which didn't come up earlier and uh, i'm sure there are a lot more questions lot more topics that we can talk about i have written down a few more points either over a coffee or uh, hopefully we'll be able to go for a walk and then talk about these things sure uh, or maybe another episode for this episode i guess we are just about time mm-hmm. so thanks a lot tarsha for taking the time and sharing your story sure i'm sure that uh, your transitions and your own learnings will be very useful for our listeners yeah thank thanks shiv uh, i think i gave a perspective of my experience right good bad or ugly that is what it is and if this helps uh, any of the listeners here uh, it's certainly welcome and uh, if any of them want to reach me one on one i am more than welcome they can connect with shiv and then find me on linkedin or right or facebook and get in touch with me thanks a lot shiv Thank you. We thank Siddharth for the music and Malavika for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com